Your finances are one of the most personal aspects of your life. So the idea of trusting a robot or some technology to guide you on your financial journey might make you uncomfortable. Nisha Hathi is the CDO of Charles Schwab, and she knows exactly how you feel. At Schwab, everything comes down to creating the best possible client experience. And for Nisha, that means finding a way to make the digital experience personal, comfortable, and intuitive, yet still joined with the real-life advisors and experts working for the company. It's a tough job, but one that is very much focused on a future that is more technical than ever. Nisha discusses all of that and more on this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at Mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in Charles Schwab's studio, not our own, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. Nisha, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm just, you know, I am ready to talk all things Schwab, all things digital, and a bunch about your background. So let's get into it. First, how did you get started in technology? Well, you know, funny, I actually started my career in financial services, and that seems obvious because I'm at Charles Schwab, but I actually thought that the industry was horrible. So I went to business school and I came out of business school and I went to a technology startup. And that was my first taste of, uh, actually, I spent my summer at a technology startup and then came out and uh, joined another one. So I got the tech bug right out of uh, business school. And flash forward to today, what goes into being the CDO of Charles Schwab? Well, so it is a combination of a role that's very technology driven, but with a very um, business strategy kind of mindset. So essentially the role that I'm in, I'm responsible for um, ensuring that our clients are served, whether they're an individual investor or an advisor that uses our platforms through our digital channels seamlessly. And uh, that means, you know, our mobile properties, our web properties, our trading business, our uh, robo advice business, all of those things are all different channels through which our clients interact. And so our teams um, work to improve those every day. So do you have like folks internally that work on like building the product, building IT, build, yeah, like who kind of manages those? How does that kind of go in and around the, the digital officer kind of landscape? Yeah. So, um, so our team is predominantly composed of um, product managers, user experience, user research folks, strategy folks. Um, we have a big uh, data team. Uh, the team works closely with our engineering team um, to actually build and develop the experiences that we deliver for our clients. So one of the things about Schwab, and this is kind of was Chuck's vision many, many years ago, is that we actually do a lot of our development ourselves. So there are a lot of companies that outsource a lot of their development. We have um, over 600 agile teams here at Schwab. And so we have a very large development organization. And so the product managers and um, UX, UR, all those folks help lead those teams. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot on the show about like who owns the customer experience, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so interesting, um, you know, the rise of roles like chief digital officer and things like that to figure out like how is data informing what we do? How is this, you know, experience 
get improved, get tweaked, get worked on? Like what's kind of your framework or philosophy around, you know, customer or client experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that what we found, we're, you know, Schwab, one of the one of the things that's I think really nice about the company that I has actually kept me at Schwab for so many years is that it's very client focused. And a lot of companies say that, but I I think Chuck had a, a philosophy around client focus that was quite different many years ago. And what that means is that when we're doing whether it's developing a new product or enhancing one that we already have, um, we do a lot of kind of, we spend a lot of time on user research, ethnographies, a lot of client journey mapping, really the diagnostics to understand the client experience. And I think we break it up into kind of the things that are around, you know, improving the baseline experience, right? Simplicity, intuitive experiences, just trying to make it easy because investing is not easy necessarily. Um, And then there are things that we think are really um, value added where, you know, our goal is to be able to serve, you know, the mass affluent, the average investor, everyday person and help them get invested. And so how do we help provide guidance and help in a way that's understandable? And that's where I think some of those really um, value-added experiences, like I think of our Schwab Intelligent Portfolios um, experiences, are really about trying to take the everyday investor and give them that kind of help to to get them invested, where it might have been daunting for them to shop and try to figure that all out on their own. Yeah. You know, and I think with some of the cool tools that have been launched recently, like the launch of Intelligent Income and things like that, uh, it kind of seems like the organization is really putting technology at the fingertips of your clients. Mm-hmm. Like, um, how does that, how do those things kind of get, you know, storyboarded? How do those things get worked on? Um, are you trying to, you know, like yeah, Amazon's famous for the, uh, you know, trying to get everything to one click. Like, are there things like that that you use to try to figure out how to make a seamless client experience? Yeah, I, I mean, we do have some, you know, we have guiding principles like uh, like things about ease and simplicity and, you know, intuitive, removing the jargon. I mean, one of the things about Schwab we really focus on is try to take all that investing jargon out of there and be oh, very yeah. simple and basic about language to make it less intimidating and help a client feel confident. Um, but I think a lot of that gets figured out by the team in their in their um, labs or in their journey teams. So we do we spend a lot of time. So for example, our innovation lab teams are teams of about twelve people, and they do weekly user testing on their concepts, and they're really trying to focus on trying uh, on making that experience as simple and streamlined and and intuitive as possible for an investor. And again, the investors that we serve range the spectrum. So some are really sophisticated and know exactly what they want, but there are a lot of folks who want help and they don't know how to get it. You know, another one of the things that I thought was so cool was the idea of of taking away fees. Can you talk through like from a digital experience what that was like? Yeah. <laughs> well, when we make one of those decisions, you know, as a member of the executive committee, we 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 had been thinking about that for quite a long time or and it's really part of our goal and has been for many years um, to try to democratize investing. Um, when something like that, we decide to do it from a digital team perspective, um, you can imagine that it becomes a very broad scale effort to actually implement. So of course, yeah. when you think about all of the very tr- various trading systems, all the different web properties, mobile properties, both for our retail investors and our advisors, um, there are changes that have to be implemented across. And you can think about in the world of investing, that means things that are easier, like digital, like our content, right? That's easier. But things that are also harder in terms of, for example, our backend trading systems, our statements, um, the confirms, all of that has to change when you make a change like a pricing change. 
Yeah, I am curious how many different systems like <laughs> hook into you know yours because I would imagine there's just like a massive amount of digital yes. digital systems. So it's like if you're making a change like that, it's not like you're making them all on your platform. It's That's like exactly. you have all sorts of partners that are gonna are gonna be hooked into that. That's right. And and as I mentioned, we do a lot of development in house, but we are also we try to be very disciplined about not assuming that we should do everything ourselves. And we use um, a lot of great partners, a lot of vendors for various parts of the the offering. So you know when it comes to something like um, you know, the our provider that works on our statements. Well, it's not just changing it on our system, but also helping working with that provider to make sure that those changes get through um, there. So it, it is definitely an ecosystem. And it's a, you know, something like a zero commission change. That's an all hands on deck kind of uh, totally. experience, especially when you're um, trying to keep it quiet um, from the <laughs> yeah. marketplace and, and, not, um, and not leak the news before we make the change. Well, and I think it's something that is obviously gonna, you know, matriculate to every person that is a client, obviously, and everybody internal in in the organization. And I'm curious, like, you know, when you're looking at changes like that, you know, and you're you're everybody's kind of on this digital transformation journey or digital evolution, and you're you know somewhere on that as well. But I'm curious, like, when something like that comes, and you have to make this sort of like, okay, this is something we have to hit in a timely manner you know, and you can't stop yep. stop the journey, yep. right? Uh, so how did you look at kind of implementing something of that scale that was that important? Yeah. I mean, you can imagine not everyone's thrilled to drop what they're doing and uh, say, oh, well, let's move to this this priority. Now, when it's something this cool, when we're leading the industry to something that is has been our mission, yeah. people get really excited about it. And I'm I'm so proud of our team because when something like this comes down, people just rally and uh, and work uh, collectively to figure it out um, and make sure it happens on time. But it is, you know, it is kind of a, a very, um, it requires a lot of program management to try to make sure that we get everything right. And, you know, there's always something that gets missed and that you have to go back and fix. And that, then I think it's kind of after you do it, going back and picking up the work that you were doing before and making sure that that doesn't lose momentum either. So, you know, when it's something like a zero commission, you can't carve that out to a team. Now, there are pieces that you can kind of carve out, but it impacts a lot of folks a lot uh, across a lot of systems. Luckily, not many of the things we do affect everybody. So when we think about like Schwab Intelligent Income, you mentioned, I mean, something like that, we have teams that are have been focused on building out that offer for a, a, quite a while. Um, and when we go to launch it, there are lots of teams that are involved in that launch, but you're able to kind of categorize that and carve it out a little bit and not impact all of the work going on across the portfolio. But it is, you know, we have hundreds of initiatives going on at the same time. So we have to kind of balance that. How much do you work with helping choose and select and implement technologies internally for the employees at Schwab? Yeah, we um, we used to keep those internal platforms separate from our client-facing platforms, actually. Mm -hmm. So the digital team actually focused on the client-facing channels, and we had a different team that actually focused on the internal. And one of the things, one of the big buzzwords out there is the omni-channel experience, sure. right? Yeah. Um, but it really is one of Schwab's 
key value propositions is that you shouldn't have to compromise between talking to a person who's an expert and being able to do things digitally when you want to. And um, and we do both. We have great talented people and we have this digital these great digital channels. And so it felt really important over time to bring those capabilities in-house um, and be thinking about, you know, I think about the experience where the financial consultant in the branch can turn the screen and be able to use Schwab.com or Schwab yeah. Mobile on the client's mobile app to show them the experience or to help them learn how to use a financial plan or how to model out their income over time or whatever. Um, and so it became really important to bring those technologies closer. And so when it comes to things like, for example, our CRM system mm-hmm. or document management or things like that, the team gets very involved. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of that level of employee experience, which we talk about, you know, a lot on on the show, where you have, especially people like this, where if they're at the front lines working with a client, right, mm-hmm. if they're sitting there with them, and they don't understand how to leverage the technology that's at their fingertips, totally. you know, not only is that client not going to be super thrilled, but um, it also just kind of limits your client experience overall, right? And there's not a lot of standardization there. Like, but things like AI or bots or, you know, Mm -hmm. RPA or some of these tools that can really help the person on the ground be able to get faster results. Like, are you looking at, you know, innovations like that. Absolutely, and and you're so right. I mean, it's. I would say this is this has been a journey for us. I would. We were. We were way too siloed in the way we thought about the channels, meaning the human channel, like the branch channel, the call centers and the contact centers and and the digital channels all kind of operated a little bit more independently. Yeah. But our value proposition proposition is when you bring them all together is that's the power of it. And so um, thinking about, for example, um, you know, one of the capabilities that we that we've been rolling out over the over the course of the last several months is an income reporting and projection capability on Schwab.com and mobile. And it's really pretty cool. If, a, if you're a client who's actually trying to basically generate income off of your portfolio, you're retired or whatever, and that's what you're trying to generate your income off of, um, it's an ability to actually project that forward and see kind of what do I need? Do I have enough money for what, I, what I'm um, trying to accomplish? And the financial consultants are now using that, you know, as a way to engage a client in a conversation about, you know, whether it is saving a little bit more or oftentimes clients actually have enough money, but they're so worried about it that they don't actually spend um, and they're being more conservative than they need to. So there's a lot of power when they use the technology in the branch. The question about the um, the automation and one of the pilots we have going on right now, employee pilots, is Intelligent Assistant, which is a chatbot experience on the mobile app. And one of the key channels that we'll be using that is actually in the branch. So there's an opportunity for sometimes when people come into the branch, they have questions that are basic questions that, you know, they don't need to walk into a branch for, but we do have clients who just are so used to it. Totally. And so the branches are, you know, starting to activate clients on using the mobile app for more than just depositing their checks or whatever they might be used to. Well, there there's a really interesting um, case study that someone did, and I forget the exact case study, but, um, but basically like banks on Fridays were full, uh, generally speaking, right? <laughs> yeah. And the reason why was because a lot of the population that was going into banks on Friday afternoons was they were just lonely and they just wanted to go like yeah. hang out with their, their person, you know, somebody and, and talk about stuff. And I always think about that of like what the utility is that you're providing, mm-hmm. especially in like financial services where like part of it is to be the trusted advisor, That's right? right? So relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you if that person wants to come in and spend their 30 minutes and just like BS with you about, you know, 
a stock that they think is cool, like it kind of puts you in an advantageous position to serve that that customer's needs. Well, everyone needs something different. And I think the thing about money and financial, your financial life, it's very personal. It's actually very emotional. I think people think money is about the head. It's often about the heart. Um, And I think that um, our ability to connect with people is going to be paramount in the long run because a lot of things can get digitized. You can automate a ton of things with a lot of the technologies you just mentioned, but you're not going to be able to automate, at least for a quite a long time, that emotional connection with people. And I think when it comes to their financial life, sometimes they just want to be able to talk about what they're thinking or, you know, have the financial consultant ask them the question behind the question, right? And and you can't replicate that with technology. But technology can enable that experience and make that that interaction richer if you can kind of show that client, oh, let me help you use that on the mobile app. Look, you can do this yourself if you want to. But if you want to come in and talk to me, I'm here. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot to be done to augment that kind of human experience where, you know, giving the person superpowers on the ground allows someone to build a relationship and ask those questions. I think part of the thing, um, and I don't know if you've seen any studies like this, but just like people will, you know, essentially like be... be like fabricate the truth when they're doing like financial reporting, when they're like trying, you know, doing things like that, right? Where uh, they might kind of stretch the truth talking to a person, whereas like, you know, if they're filling out a survey, they might be a little bit more honest about it or vice versa or Mm -hmm. things like that. And I just think with like massive amounts of data to be able to have some level of predictive analysis of like, what people might be doing, like what people might be saying uh, that they are doing and then being able to show them kind of like the truth of that is hugely important to financial literacy. Yeah. One of the things that we haven't launched this, but one of the things we've done a proof of concept on is is something we call peer benchmarking, where um, to help an investor, you know, traditionally people compare their portfolio to a benchmark. And that benchmark can be, you know, the S&P 500 or some market performance benchmark. And what we've been trying to educate people is, well, think about it relative to your goal. It doesn't really matter if the S&P went up or the S&P had went down or you're just below it or just above it. What matters is, do you have enough money to meet your goals? But one of the other ways to help a client understand if they're doing well or not well is to actually help them understand how they're doing against versus a peer group. Because I think when people see that, hey, I'm doing better than a peer group or worse than a peer group, it gives them another benchmark to think about um, whether they want to save more, if they're being too conservative. And so we've done some work around that. And it's very interesting. Clients are very interested in understanding how they're doing uh, against people who are similar to them, whether yeah, it's professionally, locally. Um, and we have such a large client base that we can you know, really provide some richness in that data. I want to talk a little bit about just chief digital officers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's pretty new still. Yep. I think, you know, whether it's the role of the CIO or CTO or CDO, you know, all these things are changing rapidly. What these things mean, like what what do you think the chief digital officer, you know, can and should be doing of the future? Yeah, it's so interesting. So when I, I've been at Schwab for um, about 15 years and I've had... Uh, 12 different jobs and this one I've been <laughs> I've been in for about two years so we didn't have a chief digital officer role we created one when um, about a little over two years ago 
And um, if and at that time, I you know started meeting other people who were chief digital officers at other companies, and it's kind of a funny experience because totally. no no two roles are even remotely the same. I mean, they're they're completely different. Some people have a marketing angle to the digital. Some people um, have much more of a technology, and it's really more of a you know agile kind of development. Some people don't even have a digital business, and they're just trying to start one up, and they're trying to put up a website, you know, and a mobile app. So they just vary so much. Um, I think in our company, what we saw was that we were we had a retail business and institutional business, and we were making lots of progress because technology has always been a hard, at the heart of our value proposition. But what we saw is that we had the opportunity to bring things together and focus um, on going faster and, and maybe thinking a little bit further out into the future um, and bringing some of the newer practices around product management into the, into the company in a more scalable way. So to give you a specific example, user experience was something that we pretty much used a lot of agency for. Um, so we, we had, I would say, a team of maybe 10, 12 people a couple years ago. Um, now we have a team of about 150. Wow. Um, and so we built that team because it's so critical to the experience um, that we have great design. Um, and we really understand our clients, so that user research part as well. But we were outsourcing a lot of that with lots of agencies. And what it resulted in is kind of an experience that was not consistent across channels, that was not consistent across experiences. And so I think that the that the goal in our company was to bring these new practices in, refine our agile development model, incorporate more design, become more outcome driven. Um, and really, I, I think digital is a little bit of the misnomer. It's really a transformation role, because I think if if someone asked, you know, what is it that you are really trying to do? It's about changing uh, the company and transforming the company and helping us be even more agile because the future is going to require our company to be more agile. So the technology part or the digital part is just a, a mechanism for that. But we need marketing to be more agile. We need HR to be more agile. We need our legal and compliance and risk partners to be more agile. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you partner with like business units and and uh, and then other you know areas and business functions within the company well, we bring them in um, early, and that's actually the kind the, the the model that we created when we when we started the organization was, you know, creating journey teams, um, initiative teams, even the labs where our, um, for example, risk management partners were at the table at the very beginning. So, if I think of the old way we used to develop, we you know we do our discovery work and we'd you know, ramp the team and the team, you know, we were agile even even five, seven years ago, but the team would start building and working on things and we didn't have a great an, a great amount of design. And then we'd bring some of those partners in late in the game. And what would happen, of course, is, you know, we're in a highly regulated environment. The team would be like, you know, two thirds down the road building something and be like, they'd get some feedback from our, you know, information security partners or our compliance partners that they've built something that is not going to work. And it would take a lot of time to rework that and kind of get it to be what it needed to be. Now, when the team starts, you know, we use actually, you mentioned Amazon, we use the PRFAQ model. We <laughs> we actually um, do a lot of, we call it shift left, a lot of discovery work, a lot of um, journey mapping, those kind of diagnostic things we do at the beginning. And our risk partners, our marketing partners, HR, finance, legal, everyone's at the table when we do those things at the very beginning of the effort. And so they're able to solution and understand the context of where we're going. And I think it's improve the efficiency of the product development cycle tremendously. 
What about your relationship with data? Um, you know, obviously data being kind of at the center of, of yeah. digital. Yeah. So um, so that's kind of an interesting story um, here because um, data actually, when we created digital, um, data was not a part of the digital services organization. Earlier this year, we moved all of the data teams into digital services. Oh, no kidding. And so, um, and it was really a little bit of the journey. So we, when we started digital, we really wanted to focus on kind of getting our house in order. Like I said, building the UX team, really kind of, we wanted to, you know, reset the expectations on what product management is and bring in some best practices around making sure that we were building, you, we, we had consistent talent across the board. We hired a lot of new folks, but the data piece was the piece that we were still kind of waiting to transform, I would say. Um, so we brought it in earlier this year. And there's um, a few different components of the strategy that the, that we are focused on here. One is around democratizing data. So we need our product managers. If we're going to be outcomes oriented and driving th- towards shared metrics, they need to have the data on their experiences. So that's just about access. The second is about data-driven experiences. So that's around personalized experiences when it comes to your portfolio, your digital experience, whatever. And then the third one in our environment is about regulatory privacy, security, because it's such a, um, our data is so um, sensitive from that standpoint. But those teams are now part of digital and they actually are part of those product teams right from the beginning that I mentioned. So they're at the table right from the beginning. When you're going to like lobby with, you know, the board or, or with the leadership team about resources and things like that, you know, are you kind of, are there's some th- sort of like metrics that you're using or something to say like, hey, this is like an ROI generating, you know, part of the company? Because I know like, you know, traditionally things like IT and, you know, has been a cost center. And so kind of it's just, it doesn't end up showing those kind of business results, but it seems like there's so many things that you're doing that directly impact the business. Yeah, um, I feel very fortunate on this front. And I think it's because of our, that client focused culture that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, and I know I, this was true 15 years ago when I joined, and I think it's still true today. If you walk into a meeting with a team and they're talking about some new concept, they'll talk about the client, they'll talk about the experience, they'll talk about, and then after they leave the room, someone will say, oh, wait. What about the ROI? Like, yeah. like it's just not the where we start. Where we start is the client problem and the client need. And I think because of that, it kind of liberates us to innovate. And so I feel fortunate because there's not a lot of lobbying that I have to go do because we're able to show such tremendous progress on things like client experience. And that can be measured by, we use client promoter score or net mm-hmm. promoter score, client easy score, all the industry accolades that we've been getting. Um, we can look at, we use a metric called minutes saved. And that metric is really about our client facing teams saving minutes on the transactional manual work they have to do because now we have a better digital experience. So for example, if a client's trying to journal some money and they were trying to do it online, and they were unsuccessful, they would call into a contact center. Well, that's something they were trying to do online. So we yeah. actually create a bad experience. If we can fix that experience, all of a sudden we've actually improved the client easy score and we've saved minutes for our, our client facing team. So we use client um, that minute saved metric as well. And then of course we use growth metrics such as net new assets, share of wallet and other metrics like that that are really about you know a client showing that they're gonna you know, step up and, and bring more assets to us. Let's get into the lightning round. <laughs> lightning, fast and easy questions, just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. You can learn more at salesforce.com platform. We love Salesforce. You will too. Check them out. 
lightning round questions. Nisha, are you ready? I don't know. Am I ready? Number one, <laughs> what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? Oh, the most fun. Starbucks. <laughs> Favorite book, podcast, TV show, movie that you've read or listened to recently? I, I pot, I'm a big podcast listener. Uh, so uh, I love how I built this. It's so good. <laughs> what about your favorite thing to cook or eat? Mm, guacamole and chips with margarita, of course. That's a great answer. <laughs> when you move, do you use plastic boxes or paper boxes? Oh, we use paper. So I just used plastic mm -hmm. and I, it was like all tubs and it was like super expensive to buy all these stupid tubs, but they stack really well. And I feel like I'm- Oh, you're like, converted? It's been pretty revolutionary. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just always feel bad. And then you have like these giant stacks yeah. of boxes. I'm like, I'm going to live with these. I'm going to be buried in all of my- You're going to recycle my, them. My, so. <laughs> yeah, my, my thing. Um, what do you do for fun? Oh, I have, well, I have three boys. Um, so fun means um, things like wrestling. Um, I went to University of Michigan undergrad, as did my husband, so we can brainwash our children uh, without <laughs> any guilt. So a lot of Michigan sports, a lot of sports just generally. Um, I'm a fitness junkie, so I love a good Peloton ride or a boxing class. What about your best piece of advice for a first time chief digital officer? Top-down support is critical, and uh, and getting and transformation is really about the entire company. So building that those relationships and getting your peers really bought in to where you're going, helping them see the win for them in it um, is really critical. And then of course everyone says this, but it's all about the team. So uh, making sure that that team that you build, because I think most companies have to do some development and some hiring. Um, I think it's huge. What technology are you most excited about experimenting with in the future? Personally or for Schwab? Uh, you know, a bit of both. I mean, I think like, I don't know how, I don't know how financial services is going to use it, but I think augmented reality, like if, if we could help people understand what it would be like if they could achieve their goals in some more virtual way, in some way that felt more real, I think that could be, you know, I, I, it's hard. I mean, uh, saving money is like losing weight. You don't see the yeah. results for so long. So how can we bring it more to life for people? I think that'd be cool. Yeah, like augmented reality. You walk in and there's like, boom, your new couch is like sitting there. You're like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, dang, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta put a quarter in the money jar. Yeah. yeah. Well, in investing, you know, it's about growth over time and to see what can happen to your money as you invest it and grow. You got to help people dimensionalize that. What is your favorite animal? The elephant. Do you, know, do you know why? Because they never forget. My last name actually means elephant Does in it Hindi. Really? And so that's why my family is very proud of this. Hathis yeah, all it's over like a the big place. deal, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> I think Faison means to do or to make in French. And oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I'm not positive of that, but I don't really know. We're not really French, but uh, <laughs> so I mean, I guess somewhere along the line. But it's always cool, and that elephant's pretty pretty good. Mm. So this is non-financial investment, but what investment in yourself have you made that you were super proud of in the last year? An investment in myself. 
Well, I invest, like I said, I'm a, I'm a fit. The way I, my meditation is, um, my like my exercise addiction, my morning exercise habit. <laughs> so I would say my the investment I make in that, whether it's monetary or just the time, feels like a luxury, but it's super helpful to me. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Maybe uh, no one ever asked me about like what it's like to like raise three boys. What is it like to raise three boys? (laughs) In the city of San Francisco. Yeah. It's mayhem. (laughs) Um, It really is actually. Um, But, uh, but you know, when, when work is crazy and in a job like mine, it's, there's always something. Um, They are awesome because they just remind you of what's important. Um, And when they're crazy, I'm lucky that I can go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. well, that's it. That's all we got. Thanks for, for coming on, Isha. I, I super appreciate it. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, excited to um, say that, you know, there's a lot of uh, people out there who are, are getting their way to a better financial future, and I'm glad we're able to play a part in that. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.